Welcome to Lama Suryadas's Awakening Now podcast. This podcast is an expression of our shared connection. We depend on you, our community of listeners, for support. Please go to mindpodnetwork.com slash suryadas and you can either click on the donate button or bookmark the Amazon link. We get a small percentage of all of your purchases. Or you can go and sign up for a free trial with audible.com. Your support will allow Lama Suryadas to continue to illuminate the timeless Tibetan wisdom. So hi, everybody, and welcome to this, my first inaugural podcast, or should I say Godcast. This is Lama Suryadas, the American Lama, here Godcasting from the Puritan State, the Pilgrim State, freezing Massachusetts, hoping to warm up the heart, awaken, illumine the mind, nurture the soul, and who knows what else. This is the first Godcast of this series so buckle up. I have a wonderful, youthful guest here. I have a whole lineup of Illuminati, Glitterati, Cognoscenti, Celebrati, all kinds of people, namely my friends and buddies and colleagues. I thought today I would start by interviewing a youngish friend of mine, an old soul, Kelly Rago. Rigo. Of Providence, Long Island, Rhode Island. Kelly's a social media expert, a filmmaker, a writer, artist, and a, and a dear spiritual friend. Kelly, hi. Hello. Nice to have you on here. Have you done podcasts before, not to mention Godcasts? Uh, no, this is my first podcast, but I listen to a lot of them. Well, that's good because, you know, being a guy, I'm not very good at listening, so I don't listen to that many podcasts. But uh, you're not intimidated by being on this Godcast? You don't feel like you're expected to be, you know, like speaking for the goddess or channel God directly through you to the audience? Well, you know, that's definitely, I guess you're putting it on the table, but yes, I'm just going to kind of roll with it. Okay. No, that's good. It's, it is on the table. I was on Duncan Trussell's podcast last week, and we were joking about it being a Godcast. And um, it's kind of obvious to me that although none of us can claim to be God or Buddha, we all are, and that's part of all of us. And those words are just placeholders anyway. But we are going to be talking on these Godcasts about higher things, deeper things. And so um, I'm not worried about it. Anyway, I see life as, as kind of like a karaoke bar. And as long as I just ma keep mouthing along, uh, you know, with the, with the music, then whatever needs to be said will come through. And that's the style or the feeling of the Godcast. Are you going to introduce the fly on the wall or not? Yes, th that reminds me. Uh, I'm haunted here by my old Dharma buddy from India days, Raghavindra Das. Don't try to spell that. Of the Love, Serve, no. Remember Foundation of the MindPod Network, mindpod.com. No, mindpodnetwork.com. And nobody knows me as Raghvindra Das in the whole entire world except you. You're the only one who calls me that, even though it is my full name, Raghu. 
You have to okay, Raghu. Well, you know, I'm like your father. So when I get mad at you, I call yeah. you by your full name. Yes, yeah, right. Exactly. So there it is. Um, and I have to ask you one thing. This Godcast business. Yeah. You don't want me to work it too much anymore? No, you don't believe in God. There's no God in the Buddhist. Are we taping? Come on. Yeah, we're I taping. I believe in God. I already defined it. God is, is a placeholder like Buddha. Words like heaven and nirvana placeholders, they're very hard, if not impossible, for most of us to understand, at least with our habitual thoughts and conceptual minds. So I have no problem with using that word with, with those that like to use it. Um, anyway... I hope we'll be talking about that and other related things as we go forward, because there's a lot of uh, verbiage in the air these days, as usual. We live in the over-information age, as I call it, where we seem to know so much but really understand so little, especially about ourselves and the deeper meanings, purposes, and truths of life. So I don't have any answers for you, easy answers, or don't do it for me. But I do have plenty of questions. My old Lama Kalu Rinpoche in the 70s in India used to call me the question man. <laughs> of yeah. course, in Tibetan, he didn't speak English. And when I asked him if that was okay, if he minded me taking up all his time, because he was one of the Dalai Lama's teachers. He had refugee camps and monasteries and infirmaries to take care of and orphanages. And I asked him if he minded peppering him with my uh, adolescent questions. I mean, I was 21 or two, so I was no longer a child. But how young I was, it's a little daunting right now to think about. <laughs> and, and he said, no, it's, it's very good. Ask all your questions. Seek as much as you can. And then one day you too will know. And that stayed with me. And I did ask all my questions, and I also sought all that I could. And um, I guess I've arrived somewhere in life where I never thought I would be, thanks to my teachers and the higher power, the deeper power that's beyond any of us, whatever you call it, that's beyond any of us, but imminent, innate in each and all of us. So that's what we're going to be talking about and thinking about. And I, I'm also looking forward to hearing from you and social media and all I have social media feeds you can find me online and through Twitter and Facebook and Instagram etc you can also email me Kelly yes. what do you think about the higher power I mean being okay. you know in, in Rhode Island and all do they have that down there <laughs> yes yes they do um, can you give me a little more in terms of well, the very Rhode Island was founded by somebody who broke away from the Square oh. religionists here in the Pilgrim State. So I'm just wondering if you have any, you know, interesting or radical or new thoughts about this. You're from some, you know, one of the younger generations, and it's a postmodern secular era. Are you and your friends interested in these things? Um, if not religion and spirit, if not in spirit, you know, in truth and love and and, and belonging and togetherness and the purpose of life. Right. Um, I would say the current perspective or thing that I'm playing with when thinking about the higher power is just how it's integrating into the daily life and kind of realizing that it's um, the ever-present nature of it, regardless of whether you like what's happening or not, that um, that kind of ever-present being and like creative force is there and just kind of 
acknowledging and recognizing it and then um i don't know using it along with uh, i don't know some form of daily practice to kind of just um i don't know get, find some sort of balance or meaning to all the daily ins and outs what kind of daily practice do you do you do yoga or meditation or have a prayer life i know you've recently come under the fold of our guru maharaji nimkaroli yes. baba the love everyone master uh yeah i would say that i like to pull from a variety of different spiritual uh practices and teachings in order to come up with a, a hybrid that works best for me and what resonates within my discernment and so um i do currently i'm i do kirtan i sing the hanuman chalisa at least five times a day um i do Five um, times a day. That's awesome. That's better than yeah. I do. What about you, Raghu? Oh, way you better. You sing it five it's times today yet? I have not. I'm going to have yeah, to really to make it. up some lost ground on yeah. that one. Well, Because yeah. this is a grace race. We don't want Kelly to get ahead. Yeah. Currently, well, the Hanuman is one of my newest practices, but the way that I've really been able to bring it into my life is that, one, um, it's really fun to challenge yourself to learn a 40 lyric poem in Sanskrit and then um it's also a really good way to organize my day like I'll put on the Hanuman Chalisa while I'm doing a task and I'll be singing along with it and like you know I have like eight minutes to do the dishes and then I don't know I kind of carry it with me throughout the day and then it's always stuck in my head so that's part of so it kind of does itself or does you let's it's, say it's evolved. The practice, it's fun. Like a prayer wheel that keeps turning after you stop spinning it. Right. Well, the method's bringing me to this mm-hmm. certain place, and it's interesting with mantra how it gets to a point that it starts to sing you, or, you know, it just kind right. of flows through you. So I'm, like, just hitting that point where I'm hitting that with the Hanuman Chalisa. Um, I also do, um, I try and do meditation in the morning, be it five minutes or 20, um, some that changes. Sometimes it's an open eye meditation. Sometimes it's just like a kind of more straightforward meta loving kindness practice. Um, and then generally throughout the day, just kind of trying to bring that, uh, let's say, oh yeah, like the blessings from meta, you know, may you be safe, may mm-hmm. you be happy, may you be healthy, may you live with ease. I try and wish well for others. Wish well for others and day. try and integrate that into my daily interactions. Uh, that's a practice. Um, that's a beautiful practice, Raghu. We should try doing that more too. That yeah, you know, you know what I think too? Beings, not just the people we like. I think that uh, this younger generation that Kelly emblemizes is way more altruistic than we might have been because we were really looking, okay, I need to change me. And, you know, and part of it was uh, you talk about the grace race when we were talking about how many times she does the Chalisa. Well, when we were with Maharaj, <laughs> the grace race, that's good. Which, I know where you're it was going literally, with this. it was horrible. I mean, I feel so bad to this day that I've elbowed people when he would come out on his tucket <laughs> and I was fast. I was really a fast little Jewish guy, and I got up You're there first, and I would trip people, elbow them, do what I needed to do to make sure I was right there. And um, it's sick. These were sick people that really, <laughs> well, and I think that people like Kelly uh, coming, this generation yeah, is far more interested in helping their brothers and sisters than we were back then. Yeah. Actually, service. Oh, yeah, you're saying, yeah. Yeah, no, I, well, I it see It makes that. sense no, to her. Well, it's that obvious. does make yeah. sense. And, you know, 
that can only come from you guys coming first. You know, we're just like ability building upon ability. Yeah, so, so thank uh, you. That's very generous of you. Actually, in Raghu's defense, and I won't call him Raghu Vindradas anymore. Anyway, I can't spell that. It's you know, um, Raghu never really elbowed me, and he always really helped me get closer to the guru when I was younger than him then. <laughs> so you have to take what he's saying with a grain of salt. He also brought his younger brother and his father, uh, Lakshman, and his father, Das, to Maharaji. And that whole family benefited. So although there may have been some kneeing and elbowing in the family <laughs> over the decades, the love definitely uh, rose and the other receded and that's what it's all about mm. and that's yes. what it's all about yeah you put your heart in you put your ego out you put your love in and you spread it all about <laughs> and you know the rest and that's what it's all about yeah yes Ram Ram. Ram Ram. Um, so I have a question about service since you brought that up, Raghu. What kind um Lama Suri also asked this to you. How has the concept of service evolved in your life since you have come back to the United States after your Well that's a good question, Kelly. Um in the sixties I was in college and growing up and part of the peace movement, the anti-Vietnam War movement, and, you know, thinking about making love, not war, as the bumper sticker said, and a more peaceful and harmonious world and less aggressive. But there was a lot of self-seeking in that, of course. And also, be I wasn't really an engaged or service-oriented Buddhist at that time. I was more like an enraged Buddhist, enraged about what was going on in Southeast Asia, enraged about what was going on in the streets, enraged about the credibility gap in the 60s and between the White House and the media and what was really happening. But then when I went to India in 71 and I got into yoga and meditation and my gurus and ashrams and retreats and all of the 70s and 80s and Actually, I never really came back. This isn't really me here. <laughs> this is just one of God's pseudopods. Um, I never, yes, very good. I, I never really came back. So it evolved from sort of very mixed bag of emotions and neurosis to a more conscious, intentional commitment to what they call seva. We call seva in India, service to God through service to humanity, or more broadly, service to the highest through serving the lowest and the neediest, seva. In, in Buddhism, it's called the bodhisattva vow, the altruistic wish to attain unselfish love and wisdom of enlightenment for the benefit of all and realizing that we're all in the boat, same boat. We all rise and fall, sink and swim together, and there's no... I can't be happy if others around me are miserable or the neighborhood, if the environment, the world is in flames. So it's evolved to a more a larger scope commitment, not just think about myself and how I feel and whether I'm happy or sad or working on the pleasure pain principle only, like in the animal side of me, but more intention, consciousness, 
unselfishness, the more spiritual or sattvic, the uplifting side, and transmuting the base metal, the lead of my animal monkey-like nature into the gold of divine nature, of Buddha nature. So uh, we take even the vow, bodhisattva vow, not to think about our own enlightenment, but to strive for awakening and developing these virtues and bring it into life, as you were saying, for the benefit of all beings who want and need the same, even if people beings seem to be pursuing it in different ways, still wanting and needing the same for themselves and their loved ones and their neighborhood and their land and their country and in widening concentric circles. So the scope has definitely increased slash deepened. Cool. So mm. how about you as an individual within that, if you're taking the bodhisattva, bodhisattva vows and, you know, not completely focusing on your own enlightenment, but then in your in the state of service towards others, but where does the individual Well, uh, all beings, out? yeah, the individual hangs out right here. As you said, the bodhisattva vow, embodied in your own body and with your feet on this ground, you know, here in this place, in this society, in this language, and this is what we're doing together in this uh, satsang or sangha, this beloved community family. And so it's very here, embodied, but also it, uh, it's in this world, but not just of it, not totally stuck in it. So the image is always of the lotus with its root in the earth, the mud, the water, but lifting its shining face above the water level into the sun. So right. integration, no real separation right. between heaven and earth gotcha. or nirvana and samsara, inseparable, interwoven, interbeing, co-meditating with everyone. Right. Seeing through the illusion of separateness, intermeditating with everyone. Seeing through the illusion of separateness, being one with everyone. Hmm. My uh, evolvement to a more service-oriented point of view or perspective came about uh, through increased selfishness, actually. Had to burn uh, it up. <laughs> no, 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 actually not like that. Well, at one point, Maharaji said to me, what do you do? back in the West. And I'm trying to think, okay, how do I say program director of a rock and roll radio station? And while I was thinking about how to say that in English, he pointed at me and went, broadcaster in English. <laughs> Which he didn't know. Well, that was the least of anything. Yeah, right. I mean, that's an amazing word to pull out of your But yeah, blanket. it was that word, you know. and uh, Not just mother or father or thank you, but broadcast. Yeah, right. To you. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And uh, and so over time, I got the idea that I was two things. You know, I like to talk about stuff that I liked. And I did usually have some medium, like in that case, a 50,000 watt radio station. Uh, all, all along in my life, I had media. And then at some point, I started to uh, either through the I think it was more like bringing people to, people wanted to go, oh, can I go with you? You're going to India. I'd like you to take me to where you were and the places where Maharaji was. And, you know, I might have begrudgingly said, all right, well, you can come along or something. And then uh, I noticed at one point uh, where uh, there's a being who is still with us, as Surya Das knows quite well, named Siddhima, who Maharaji left to take care of the temples in India when he left that body. 
and she's a saint in her own right. And we've been see, she's like our Indian mother, and we've been seeing her all this time. So I brought, I remember bringing some people there a long, long, long time back. I mean, I've done it many times since then. And we sat down in the room, and they lit up like a light bulb in front of her. I mean, the, you know, it was just transforming ex- experience for these people. And I noticed I, that was the happiest it made me so happy to see this that I re- I started to realize, geez, that's the only thing that makes me happy is is watching people get turned on like that. So well, here more we than are. that is in your part in making helping others be happy. That well, happy. being a conduit of some sort, sure. yeah. But but basically, it was just seeing that light bulb being turned on is just a, a thrill. And then I started realizing what Maharaji meant by broadcasting. It was to <laughs> was a capital B B plus, yeah. and here I am ending up with still doing this, it. Yeah, doing it. Mind Only forty five years later. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been doing it all along in yeah. one way or the other. Yeah. So, in uh, fact, yeah. aren't you going to Mother India next week? I Perhaps am? taking some people to meet um, mm-hmm. a I jungle ba- a holy jungle Baba. Yeah, and City Ma also. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. I am. So yeah, full circle to this moment. Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, I think that uh, after we all enter the stream, there is no possibility of anything if it's substantially, if if you're going to be a substantial human being in this world, there's no possibility of anything but of being some use to that person next to you as a purpose, and that the bodhisattva vow is. Everything, as far as I'm concerned, everything. Well, the Dalai Lama occasionally says, or even often, of course, people ask him. So he says, when they ask him, that the purpose of life is to be happy and fulfilled and to make others happy. So that yeah. may or may not be true. It's worth checking it out. But that's what we believe. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I, I believe that's a bunch of motivation without the words, without bodhisattva, without the any esoteric Tibetan Buddhism, Hinduism, Bhakti Yoga, any of that, I think this generation naturally wants and is impulsed to act in that fashion, uh, maybe partially due to the phenomenal adversities that are in effect today uh, and disparities in polarization and political insanity, basically. Is that true, Kelly? Yes, um, I would say I've always been inspired by service. I served in the Peace Corps. 10 years ago in Costa Rica. Um, So I would say, yes, I've definitely taken heart to that. Also, I grew up in a very Catholic household and went to Catholic school for 13 years. So charity and service was always instilled within uh, Mm. the general environment. And, um, And then even now, 10 years being back from Costa Rica and how I continue to see my career and as a means of service. So um, it's the only way. I've been in a lot of different uh, industries in terms of from corporate to nonprofit. And uh, the only thing that really keeps me satiated is that feeling of service. Mm, beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> beautiful, yes. <laughs> America the beautiful. I've heard a lot from a lot of your compatriots in your generation, Kelly, and most of you seem to have taken a year off from college to volunteer or intern or first year after college 
or something like that. Yeah. Usually for a charity or an altruistic, you know, a good mission. This was not um, how we grew up. Interrupted schooling was frowned on, and um, we, right. you know, it was also a different time. But that's very inspiring. In fact, I'm glad that this came up, you guys, because uh, just even the kind of um, counterintuitive idea of having my first podcast here with young Kelly rather than one of my celebrity uh, spiritual teacher friends. It's just reminding me about like what Raghu just shared about how making others happy gave him meaning and purpose and made him happy. Um, how whenever I take a younger, not just a younger person, but a younger spirit of any age, whenever I take a younger under my arm, whenever we take a younger under our arm, it, it lifts us all up. And that's just the facts of life. There's no way around it. And any mature menschy adult, I, I believe, will, will understand and resonate with that, regardless of whether they're spiritual, atheist, or, you know, of any nationality. And I think that's very important for us today to match the youngers and the elders and for us to take a role, Raghu, as elders in our society and not be the perpetual you know, youths that we've been for a long time and be producers and distributors of this, quote, good news, not mm. just consumers. Because one day seekers must become finders, not mm -hmm. just stay on campus and be like the professional graduate student one's whole life and pass it on and pay it forward. That's what I'm thinking about now. And I've turned a lot more of my attention to the youngers mm -hmm. and the younger generations these days, even with social media and things. I'm not that mediaized and technological as you have been. I mean, I'm mainly with the words and the writing, you know, and, and teaching and leading retreats. But the social media could be spiritual media. And even Twitter, which is such an attenuated, a short form, 140 characters is enough for a haiku, which is a world-class verse form. The great Zen haiku utterance that awakens us to a new way of seeing and being. Uh, we could have words of wisdom in a, less than 140 characters. So I think if we can start to transform and transmute the social media into spiritual media, we'll bring our whole community and in concentric circles, maybe the whole world closer together in the heart and not just bombarded with interruptions and distractions. Well, I think the technology itself is already a reflection of kind of the evolving unity consciousness in terms of never before have we been able to just so instantaneously connect and communicate mm -hmm. all across the world. Well, there's an example of how connected we all are in all the media. Uh, on the funny side, my own personal Dzogchen master, Tibetan Buddhist mystical master, teaching the Buddha within and our innate great completeness and wholeness, Dzogchen, he used to say, of course, he didn't speak English much, but he used to say in Tibetan, you Westerners, you always seem to have to be plugged in at every orifice. And then he would point his ears and his mouth and his bottom. And he would say, don't you have any batteries inside? <laughs> Who is that? Yoshi Kempo. Uh, uh -huh. We co-wrote the book Natural Great Perfection, his Chen songs and teachings. Mm. Don't you have a battery, any energy inside? Why do you always need to be plugged into somebody and something else? And I think these days we're losing touch with 
the value and virtue of interiority, of noble silence, of noble solitude. Solitude doesn't have to be loneliness. We could be alone with God. We could be alone with Buddha and Dharma. We could be alone in nature and not be lonely. We could be totally connected. I think a little interiority and, and silence and solitude would help balance the fast-paced, cacophonous world that we live in. So that's one of the things that I often encourage younger people to look into because, of course, they're on the grid 24-7, and uh, most of them, and that, that's a challenge. Do, do you ever turn off your your cell phone, like at night while you sleep or other activities? Mm, no, it actually doesn't get turned off really ever. Uh, oh my God. In terms, like it charges, but it- <laughs> uh, Do you put it on buzz? It stays, oh, it's always on silent. I okay. don't like hearing right. any noises okay. from the phone. But so it buzzes while you're asleep or- um, Yeah, that was actually, it's not a good when that happens, but I use it as my alarm. So positions. there's yeah. that, but, um, no, I try and have some me time that is away from screen time. Uh, that's a priority in terms of it's not, my job is so connected to the phone. Like my mother sure. is, social a, media. is I... a Portuguese immigrant has no idea <laughs> what's going on and just thinks that I have an addiction. I'm like, no, I'm actually working right yeah. now. And she mm -hmm. can't understand that like actual work is happening while I'm sitting here like this. But I get it. There definitely needs to be some time away from the screens and whatnot. But it's I find that it's hard for people to justify it. They just get kind of in this cycle of like, I can't put it down because if what will happen if, if I'm not interacting, whether at work or social yeah, or you know, a, what will happen if I'm am I am I alive if I'm not getting feedback? I mean, it's, that's it's, like it's a word. one of the one of the listed top phobias of people now is to not have their their smartphone near them if it's not near them they start to get anxiety and it's true everybody i mean yeah. you know sure. if my phone suddenly oh my god where's my phone yeah. you know right. it's uh, i'm going to india i was in a jungle i had to get to a jungle last time i was there where there was no reception no electricity no bathrooms Ooh. okay it was going too far I said, Bob said, you want to stay here? I said, no bathrooms. Are you kidding? That, I can take everything else, but that I can't. <laughs> but the whole uh, jungle is available. Yes, what he said. Yeah, it's a minefield, though. Let me tell you. <laughs> you have to be very mindful where you place yes. your, your feet. Right, it's especially your bare feet and your little feet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, that's India so, for you. It's very full. It's full of fertilizer. I have a question, Kelly. What about sure. the state of this? Uh, I mean, Surya Das and I are getting on a little bit. He's a little bit younger, but we're both getting on. And uh, so, but I'm thinking about you, you know, and uh, oh my God, what's going on right now? Uh, what the heck are we going to do? I mean, I know what I'm doing. I'm moving back to Canada, okay, because that's I'm from Montreal. I'd rather freeze my ass up there then burn down here you better get there yeah. fast before they build the wall the wall the yeah, they're gonna, out. yeah that's what they're doing. I don't know. that um 
Well, the first thing that came to mind was first about technology. The thing that I think about is like, am I going to look at home feeds forever? Am I always going to want to check my Facebook feed for the rest of my life? Like, yeah, right. how is that? Is that going to change? You know, um, so I yes. think I think it is. Yes, yes I do. Um, I think I was talking about this with my friend yesterday. I think there'll be technology upgrades that will then modify how we consume the media or social interaction. So that's obviously going to evolve, but we're talking, I've also, you know, uh, thinking about the current, uh, political climate. It's, um, yeah, just wondering where should I be in this world? (laughs) Definitely sparks, uh, some thoughts about that, but I don't know. I feel there's a certain, the only thing I can think about is just like, we're just going to have to roll with it and just kind of, you know, hunker down in terms of, uh, let's see, developing that interior self. And then um, if you can really focus on balancing that out and we'll bring it back to service, like if you can also kind of include yourself Mm -hmm. within that service and knowing that cultivating that kind of unconditional love Mm -hmm. was pretty much the only thing you can control. So it's a contribution. And that's a a definite contribution. And so uh, if we can kind of, you know, consistently everyone together kind of try and have that be there. This is just more proof of, of the altruistic perspective of yeah. this generation. Yeah, right. Already me, I'm halfway to Montreal. I'm not even, you yeah. know, look, look at, you know, just harking back to when I was a kid, this is the kind of thing, you know, hippie, you know, we're going to just create yeah. our own we're little world. We're just going to move to Vermont or yeah, go to, move to or yeah, exactly. or yeah. get off the yeah. grid and, yeah, yeah, well, that's why she was saying about not just uh, me time, but moving from me to we. And I think that's an important slogan for us, say, like in the Occupy movement, that we occupy the spirit and occupy this global community together and not just leave it to the 1% or the leaders, so-called, or the people with the biggest megaphones or biggest mouths, for that matter. Right. In, I fact, don't... in fact, since you're, you're a... You seem to be temporarily embodied in a female form. Are you yeah. looking forward to? Um, are you and your friends voting? Are you guys involved in the political process now? This is an election year, national election. Was, are you voting for a woman president? Being a woman, what are you thinking? Do you have I hope? I feel uh, a variety of feelings about this, but there's, of course, coming from an all girls Catholic school and like seeing a, a possible woman president just for sheer. Deep, like looking at it that way, of course, you know, it'd be nice to have a, a different human body, you know, <laughs> and also with her in particular, she's extremely qualified. I mean, mm-hmm. she's really done her rounds in terms of serving in all different parts of government. Right. So that. Well, I some get. people, some people seem to say, uh, what do you, it's really not that hard to run the country. Why do you have to have experience? I mean, that's not my way of thinking. But so are you and your friends voting or are you, you hopeless with this kind of oligarchy or heavily money-weighted mm. political process? All I see now is just people consuming massive amounts of information and passing it around. So, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen come November, but it sounds like people are pretty into voting in terms of the most recent Tuesday and like this mm-hmm. week's elections. Yeah. Um, Super Tuesday. No, the people that are within my realm are pretty informed and, but I don't think people get, are obsessed with it or get too, too much into it. Cause there's, it's just a, like a lot of 
it's like a play going on, but like, I don't know if I really want to <laughs> consume or be a part of it well, that much, but it's still that. happening. So, yes, you know, definitely. I'm not going to ignore it. We are part of it. You can't not participate. Of course, you can not vote or you can abstain from the marketplace, but we're still using the roads and the waters and the electricity and the sky and the air. So even the hermits in the caves are participating. So we all have some responsibility if you want yeah. to look at it that way or some say. Definitely. Uh, I would say I'm curious and I'm open to a lot of things and I don't, I don't want to get too wrapped up in making a decision or at this moment because I feel like there's still a lot that can happen. And so, um, which way is the Portuguese vote leaning? Oh, I don't know. I don't know where the Portuguese vote's leaning. Uh, well, because I'm getting, thinking a lot the, about that. the East Coast, so I'm sure they're a little liberal. But I don't know. Probably, that's hard to say. That's hard to say. Because pe I, people ask me, a, 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 a web interviewer, I was going to say a radio show, asked me just yesterday which way the yoga vote was going to go. That's what they call it, the like 50 million people in America who do yoga or meditate or something or vegetarian. So I told them that my latest poll among like the three or four friends that I have left, it's quite clear, but we'll see what happens. But I, I like that idea of the yoga vote. And I think that we should like get ourselves together and make a difference and have more of a voice. Don't you think, Raghu? You're the broadcast man by uh, by Maharaji's fiat. Even I told you, I'm Canadian. This is all <laughs> outstandingly bizarre to me, this whole oh, thing. You're in the, the United you States. got a good president. You've got we, a very we've interesting got a prime guy. minister that is like, uh, since uh, I don't know who I would equate, you know, a, a Kennedy-ish kind of character, uh, yeah. you know, Justin Trudeau. And mm -hmm. he is phenomenal. I mean, I hope he makes it through all of the vicissitudes of the influences that ha do happen in any country well of course not as bad as, as in in the states right. the kind of horrific way in which the lobbyists and the power money power mm -hmm. works its way into uh really the governance Everything. of this country yeah so uh you know no absolutely we, everybody needs to participate and keep a voice in this because uh uh, it's there's just too much ill effect on so many people who don't have uh, a real voice or don't have power uh, that you can't abdicate abdicate it at all. You can't. So um, and and this is more about what we've been talking about and what you brought up, Surya, in this whole conversation. It's about developing an interior self so that we aren't polarizing, continuing the polarization that goes on. I mean, every day. You, this stuff is so easy just to react knee-jerk about yeah. all of this insanity. So there is a necessity to, I mean, Ram Dass talks about this social, social action. Until we fix our own hearts, we can't hope to help uh, change anything. Because if there's any anger, if there's any reactivity, you just have the opposite effect of what, what you're trying to do. So Yes, we have to disarm our hearts. Otherwise, we just make more troubles with our aggression and reactivity. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm working myself on that, on forgiveness and, and you know, big love, loving everyone, even the people in whatever I, it seems to be the opposition or the different belief systems, not just here in our local elections, you know, presidential elections, it's still local compared to the rest of the world, but also the, the problems of terrorism and other things going on in the world that 
you know, one could get very unhappy about. But big love is much more inclusive than just like and dislike. And I'm, I'm working on that from the forgiveness point of view and praying every day to let go and set free and wish them well. And it helps me to, to, to notice that if I was brought up the way some of those children were in the madrasis of the Middle East or the generals in the military junta in Burma or in, you know, totalitarian communist China, that I would probably think and act the same way. So there but for the grace of God yeah. go I. And then we can love them even though we don't condone or, or like what they do and we can don't have to accept it, but we have a certain amount of centeredness or equanimity while we try to change things for the better and be better people. And if things don't change the way we hope or expect, we still have some equanimity and inner peace and also don't burn out. So we can keep working on that. But we also have peace, quote, at home in our hearts and souls and our family and with each other, even though there's still more major crises and problems in the world. So I think the inner center, if you want to call it that, is just so important. And I, I'd like to see us all, especially the younger generations, bring that more to the younger, youngers in school and at home and the children, whether it's mindful walking and eating or, or better uh, diets, you know, less distraction or um, cooperative sports and martial arts rather than just competitive sports, not to mention concussion producing sports. And there's a lot to say about what wisdom for life education, true higher education, wisdom for life and for living and happiness and fulfillment might be. So I, I, I put that to you. You're a uh, yeah. filmmaker and educator and activist of your own. So the thing that comes to mind when I was hearing you say that is just um, the it's people have to learn the concept of how to um, accept and validate differing opinions in different states and have them all be equal in terms I'm thinking in particular to when you're, you know, keeping the big love for the people you don't necessarily condone what they're doing. And, you know, how can you hold that kind of big love in terms of like you, you are as divine as everything else. However, yeah, you're doing some pretty awful things and I can't, condone that either so you can still respect your opinion in terms of like that's horrible but at the same time trying to hold that other uh opposite of unconditional love there so it's i think it's about kind of learning how to hold so many of those differing opinions or differing ideas but holding them all like equal and valid at the same time so yeah yeah but you know it all, it all goes back though to again and again practice Looking at the interior life, like we've been yeah. talking about, these are all just words unless you actuate something within yourself. And yes. it's absolutely necessary. It's not just believing. You have to, it's a, yeah. what we do and what we be. Yeah. Um, I have to uh, ask you if I can do a commercial. Yeah. Now on. I don't know. This is my show, but you're my advisor. Should we have commercials on this show? Is that no. the way it works? Yeah. I mean, you're my corporate sponsor. You can send me money, and you're going to have a commercial. Mindpod.com. Mindpod Network. Mindpod Network. Mindpod Network. For God's sake. Uh, no, this is a commercial for you. Oh, good. Thank yeah. you. Uh, then you should definitely that, do it. Uh, yes. <laughs> so. Uh, he talked about uh, the fact that he's uh, leading retreats around the country. You can go to uh, 
what's the website, Surya Das? Surya.org. Surya, S-U-R-Y-A.org, and find out. One of the things you will find out, Surya Das Lama is going to be with Ram Das May 4th through 9th in Maui at this phenomenal and wonderful beachfront resort. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, it's it's, uh, really it's, it's spectacular. Mirabai Bush, our very close uh, sister, will be there as well. Uh, we will have my lovely wife, Saraswati, teaching yoga in the morning alongside of uh, having some music supporting her from Benji Wertheimer. Yay. We'll have Nina Rao, who is Krishnadas's right-hand lady, who's an incredible kirtan singer in her own right there with her band every night. We'll have Trevor Yay. Hall, who is a devotee also of Ninkaroli Baba, and he will be doing a full-on concert, and uh, he and I will be doing a... Uh, a workshop called The Power of Mother Goddess. Ooh. And we're going to do something. Um, and the, the theme of the retreat is impermanence and the power of love, which, Surya Das, you better start, pull, pull that together. And, um, I'm going to have to start studying that subject. Do you yeah. know any good books? Yeah. <laughs> I'll think of a couple. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe I can I, look into Be Here Now. There's a good reading list at the back from 1969. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. It's yeah. still good. Yeah, actually, we have that on ramdas.org. You can go to books to hang out with and you can find all of that stuff. Yeah. So, I love uh, books. Besides, you remember what Groucho Marx said that no. outside of a dog, a book is a man's best friend. Yeah. <laughs> Inside of a dog, it's too dark to read. <laughs> Did he say that or you? No, Groucho no, Marx said it. He did, eh? Yeah. This has been wonderful. My first Godcast podcast, blessed. It's been a blast. And love you, long time. Yeah, same here. Great to be with you all. And we shall. Uh, Thank you. We'll love talk. and gratitude. Yes. Uh, by the way, to register for that retreat with Lama Suridas and Ramdas, go to ramdas.org events. And you'll find your way over there to the registration booth. Okay. Okay. See you later. Bye. Have a good time in India if we oh, don't yeah, talk, Baba. <laughs> Thanks. Safe trip. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Lama Suryadasa's Awakening Now Hour. We very much appreciate your support and hope you will continue by going to mindpodnetwork.com slash suryadas and link to the donate button or go to the amazon.com link for all of your purchases. Namaste. Tere.